Welcome to Premise Customer 84. And today we're looking at de-icing wings and ice regulation and their effects on flight dynamics and aircraft aerodynamics and wing aerodynamics. So to do that, we're going to look at the paper called the optimization method of wing ice shape regulation based on flight dynamic characteristics. And this is important because when you're flying around up uh, 10, 20, 30, 40,000 feet or higher, it's very cold, but you still have some humidity, some water in the air and over time that can form ice on the leading edges and other parts of the aircraft but mainly we're going to be looking at leading edges today and then that changes the aerodynamic performance because then the leading edge changes changes shape the airfoil profile changes shape and as we know airfoil profiles affect the aerodynamics of the airfoil so let's get started here so ice on an aircraft the wing changes the aerodynamic shape causing damage to the flight mechanical steering system as well potentially in severe cases it may even lead to losing control of the aircraft. In recent years, many serious flight accidents have been caused by icing. For example, the Russian Saratov airliner AN-148 got the wrong speed information from pilots due to icing on the airspeed tubes and it eventually crashed in 2018. So that's a major danger because if you, for those of you who aren't um, familiar with aircraft uh, wings, next time you go on an aircraft or an airplane or you're just in the airport or whatever, Look closely at the wings and you'll see all these little tubes coming out at different points. And mainly at the front, there are also some at the back. They're called strakes. They're a little bit different usually. The ones at the front pointing up, they are there even around the cockpit actually. They're there to provide the pilots with information. So based on airspeed and uh, and humidity, uh, density and um, altitude and all that kind of stuff. So if they ice and then you get wrong information, then that means that you can't really control the plane as well because the information you're getting is wrong. So another situation was general aviation b10gd uh, that model precipitation enhancer crashed because of the propeller icing in 2021 and some crew members unfortunately were killed and that's quite surprising considering that the propeller is moving around so quickly but even that shows that even the propellers are susceptible to icing and it's not just airfoils research has shown that uavs were more sensitive to ice conditions than at than larger faster manned aircraft and aircraft icing was one of the major hazards for air plane operation during takeoff climbing missions at low temperature up regions. So that makes sense because when an airplane is cruising around, that's actually probably that, that's usually the safest part of its operation. Landing and takeoff are the two major uh, risk areas. And if you have the icing going on, then you're messing with aerodynamics during landing and takeoff. And that is much more dangerous than a cruise, generally speaking. So the aerodynamic characteristics of the aircraft are greatly affected by ice accretion problems. So accretion just means when the ice builds up. Innovative de-icing techniques are urgently needed because of that. So at present, two common de-icing techniques are heating and vibration. So compared with heating, so compared with vibration, heating de-icing systems is, are mostly used for small components such as airspeed tubes, and they have a low response and low thermal efficiency. That's why you can use these. Meanwhile, the lower robot the low reliability of vibration de-icing systems would greatly damage the original aerodynamic shape of the aircraft and reduce the aerodynamic performance of the wing. It's pretty cool how you think like if you just vibrate something, the ice will eventually break off, which makes sense because if you have a structure which can vibrate, it not only means that the inertia um, is going to shake the ice off, it also means that the structure itself is going to bend a little bit and ice doesn't have the same flex properties or the same stiffness as any other material, every material has a different stiffness. So if you bend something a little bit more than another material, you're going to start to break one material off the other. And that's that's a good idea. Although, as I mentioned here, that's not potentially good for um, aircraft aerodynamics or 
uh, longevity. The de-icing technology of plasma, though, has the advantages of low power consumption, quick responses, and simple geometries. Experiments have shown that its total efficiency is better than un under certain conditions. So plasma actuators, what they, have, what they do is you, you have two electrodes, which, is, which are divided by captain tape usually. And captain tape is uh, just a type of, it's called a dielectric material. And this just allows um, the electricity to flow in the right way to create plasma. And plasma is just when you have an, a gas of some sort and you strip all the outer electrons off the shell and then you're left with um, this positively charged um, nucleus with some, uh, some of the shell still around it, depending on what a gas you have. But that's plasma and that's usually very hot and that's what they use here. And as you, you, can, do it, you can produce plasma very cheaply in terms of not only financially, but also in terms of energy-wise. You can use a like literally a battery pack to do it very easily. It doesn't require high um, power at all, depending on how much you want, of, of course. But you can do it with very low power. So one a researcher found that actuators in the streamwise lay down the streamwise direction, so the plasma generators had a better de-icing effect than actuators in the spanwise layout. So that makes sense because if you have them in the streamwise direction, so it means that it's um, in the same direction as the free stream velocity. When you have more plasma in that direction, it means you can heat up the that, so, that surface quite well and the air flowing over is gonna flow the, the entire plasma tape. Whereas if you have it in the spanwise direction, only a small amount of the tape is going to see the one piece of uh, air. So you, the air is going to flow over just a little bit and it's not going to get nearly as much um, of the heat because it's not seeing as much plasma. So that makes sense. So these results showed that plasma actuators in the streamwise layout, not only prevented ice accretion near the airflow leading edge, but also allowed plasma-induced surface heating to further downward convect uh, to prevent ice accretion near the airflow's trailing edge, which I mentioned can occur as well. So that's good because the air is hotter. This team studied, or a team studied the influence of the thickness of the exposed electrode on the performance of the plasma actuators in the de-icing system. Which found, and they found that the actuators with thicker exposed electrodes can induce higher average surface temperatures compared with the traditional actuator. So that's pretty cool. And they have a diagram here, figure one, showing what it looks like. So they have the, uh, let's say we have the leading edge of the wing, we have like a little cutout. Then over the top, we have this tape, and it's in, a, in like a ready or reddish orange box on this um, figure. And then you have just a few strips going stream, um, streamwise. And each one of these strips is the plasma actuator. And between these strips, you have a distance, four centimeters. Here they have the heating elements, which are the plasma bits. They're one centimeter thick, or it's one centimeter wide. So um, you effectively have intermittent heating along the leading edge. And this is important because where the heating is, that's where the ice is going to melt away. Where the heating isn't, that's where the ice is going to accrete. Um, going to <laughs> accrete. So... Figure two shows the process of the plasma ice shape regulation at different moments. So they want to see not, not just getting rid of ice in total, but seeing if you can just reduce the, or control the ice accretion and produce shapes which are still, which are not that detrimental. So they're still not getting rid of the entire ice, but you're going to make it a lot better instead of having ice over the entire leading edge. They said that overall, this paper mainly studied aerodynamic parameters under two kinds of regulation ice shapes based on wind tunnel experiments. Six degrees of freedom flight dynamics models on the background aircraft are established. Simulations and comparisons of the trim characteristics, dynamic stabilities, and maneuverabilities are investigated. So I just want to talk a little bit more about this ice accretion uh, regulation. 
because it actually fits into one flow control device that it reminds me of very strongly. So um, the way that the ice is forming is like, imagine you have a leading edge and then just like little like patches of ice forming and these are forming bumps. Then between the bumps, there's no ice. So you get like this wavy leading edge. And this reminds me of a flow control device called tubercles. And tubercles, I have actually a lot of experience in researching and um, that's why it reminded me of them and they're a passive flow control device and they look very similar they're just bumps on the leading edge the main benefit of tubercles is that when you pitch them at non-zero degrees angle attacks they start to produce leading edge vortices so, so very similar to vortex generators and these vortices then can delay um, stall and that's one of them that's their major uh, benefit they do have other benefits uh, such as reducing drag under certain conditions and increasing lift under certain conditions um, but generally speaking it's just the stall characteristics so they delay stall and they soften stall that's those are the two major draws um, and these bumps look very very similar now the difference here is that uh, tubercles are usually is, um, investigated under high angle attack these are for low attack. Now, yours truly investigated she was under low attack as well. So, you know, this sort of falls into my wheelhouse. And um, there is some benefits if you have the tubercles, the right geometries. Now, I'm not going to go into tubercles too much because that's like a whole podcast series in itself. And I'd like to talk about it much more because I know a lot more about it. But I'm just um, drawing some similarities there between this kind of geometry and tubercles. So they say here that plasma ice shape regulation mainly uses the thermal effect of the actuator to cut the continuous ice into intermittent ice. So instead of you have an entire ice slab on the front, you cut it up. And in between these slabs, you have um, the leading edge exposed. And then as shown in figure two, which I mentioned earlier, they look like tubercles. The plasma actuators were arranged. Um, dust was removed where the plasma actuators were. Conversely, where the plasma actuators were not present, ice accretion was serious, and the width of the interval ice can be modulated by adjusting the arrangement of the plasma actuators. In other words, if you place more plasma actuators closer together, then you're going to get rid of more ice. If you place them further apart, you're going to have bigger patches of ice. So how do you select the optimal ice shape regulation parameter, which achieves the best de-icing effect? And this is what they want to look at. Um, where They're going to look at two different ice regulation patterns and see how they affect aerodynamics. We'll get to that in a minute though. Figure three shows the, the general cross-section shape of a wing leading edge with ice accretion on it. So you have the cutout of the leading edge and the ice is just being built up on the front and it really doesn't have much of a rhyme or reason in terms of its geometry. It's just quite random. It's jaggedy and and rough so that's not going to be good for an aircraft you can see immediately unless you have a um, very small aircraft where perhaps turbulating the flow would be beneficial but for um, human like passenger aircraft passenger airplanes at least this is usually not good you want to have a smooth surface to have as much of a laminar flow as possible to reduce drag we don't need um, a turbulent flow to keep the flow attached because the wings already keep the flow attached during cruise a lot for takeoff, though, that may be a, a benefit. I don't know. So in the figure four, shows the aircraft wing scale at uh, the model. So it looks very much like a hang glider wing. If you just think about a hang glider wing and then you take off like the purse underneath, that's what it looks like. And you have flaps at the back. And the cord, uh, sorry, the span is 371 millimeters. The cord, they don't have um, 
here present, but they will cover it later, at least the mean aerodynamic chord. Actually, I should mention the mean aerodynamic chord is different to the chord. The mean aerodynamic chord um, applies to when a wing has um, taper. So the chord at one point is not the same as another point. You want to find effectively the average chord of the wing over the entire span. That's what the mean aerodynamic chord is. And that's usually what we quote. So let's talk about the background aircraft wing scale model and simulated ice shapes. So they have a bunch of different aircraft with different um, ice being like built up on it. First of all, they have no ice whatsoever. Then they have the full ice leading edge, so along the entire leading edge. Then they have one called ice shape B and ice shape A. And we'll get into what the geometries are in a second. And they're simulated distantly, they're simulated by 3D printing. So they're not actually real ice, they just simulated these ice patterns through 3D printing them and stuck them on the leading edge, which is good enough. There may be, I mean, there may be some um, changes due to um, the ice in real life, perhaps making the air cooler as it goes over. However, the air should already be that cold anyway, so it shouldn't make too much of a difference. So they say, um, D is the width of the single regulation ice. BA is the mean aerodynamic chord of the wing. And this paper defined the width of a single regulation ice as the, a dimensionless number called C. And this is the uh, width of the ice divided by the mean aerodynamic chord of the wing. And this is really cool because when you try to non-dimensionalize things, it makes it so much easier to uh, talk about the different effects. So they say the regulation ice A was set at the dimensionless ice size C of 0 0.15. So that means that the width of this ice is 15% of the meter chord. So it's um, fairly, fairly uh, wide. The regulation ice B was set with a dimensionless ice size C of 0 0.2. So that means that the width of this ice is 20% of the meter chord. And this, in this experiment, simulation ice shapes were arranged in the leading edge of the wing model. So that's how they're characterizing these ice um, shapes here. And something to note is that the distance between these ice patches are the exact same as the width of the ice patches. So they're um, um, symmetric, they're efficiently symmetrically placed along the leading edge or uniformly placed, I should say. So let's move on to how they perform. They actually have a figure of the aircraft in the tunnel. It's just a regular model aircraft in stuck in a tunnel. And they have uh, four different um, ice situations uh, investigated. They have no ice, regulation ice A, regulation ice B, and full ice, ranging from um, least amount of ice to most amount of ice in that, in that order. So in figure nine, they say the maximum lift coefficient of the full ice state reduces by 53.4% and the soil angle reduces by 42.9% when compared with the no ice state. This is because ice accretion changes the aerodynamic um, shape of the wing surface. The flow field characteristics become worse and this aerodynamic stability gradually deviates from the stable state. So there's a lot here, let's unpack this. When you have the regular wing with no ice on there, the maximum lift coefficient occurs at about uh, an angle of attack of 13 degrees about, and it's about 1.4. When you have full ice on the entire leading edge, the stall angle is <laughs> eight degrees. So it's, it's horrendous. And the maximum lift coefficient is only about 0 0.8. So it's terrible again. As I said, reduces by 53.4% and 42.9% respectively, about halving both of these values effectively. Now, along with that, the drag obviously increases at this 
point as well. But even at low angles of attack, so pre low angles of attack, having ice along the entire leading edge increases the drag by about double. So it goes from about 0.15 to about um, 0.0. Actually, more. It was about 0.5. So it's about triple the drag coefficient. Interestingly, when you put on just a little bit of ice, so ice regulation A, still the the stall angle drops from about 13 degrees when you have no ice at all to about 10 degrees. And the lift coefficient drops by about 40% or 30%. When you have ice regulation, um, oh no, sorry, that was for ice regulation A. Um, ice regulation B, you get that. And then ice regulation A, it's not as bad because there's not as much ice. So you get a reduction in the stall angle attack by about two degrees and the lift coefficient drops by about 0.1. So about 10%. So what's, what this is showing is compared to no ice at all, any ice is bad for the aerodynamics of this aircraft that they've tested. But if you were to choose between having ice along the entire leading edge and having ice only along certain parts, this shows that you definitely have ice along only certain parts. This is far beneficial for the stall angle attack and the maximum lift coefficient and also the drag. But one thing I want to point out here, which brings me back to the Functional device called tubercles is remember how I mentioned that tubercles are very beneficial for stall, how they uh, make stall uh, softer. So, stall usually happens um, very abruptly. So, often a wing will stall and then it will experience a massive reduction in lift very suddenly over a very short range of angles of attack. However, with tubercles, this is extended. So, you don't get nearly as great a drop or as a severe drop. And this is what we're seeing here when we put ice onto the air onto the leading edge, the more ice there is, or like the, not the entire leading edge, but if you just put a bit more ice on the leading edge compared to none, then you'll get a gradual reduction in the lift coefficient. So it's, the stall has been tempered a little bit, which is very reminiscent of tubercles again. So this shows me again that tubercles are very closely related to this geometry. And that makes sense to me. So we conclude that any ice is bad for low angle attack. Uh, aerodynamics, but during the stall stage, you can argue that having some ice is actually good. Also, the drag polar curves, which plot the drag coefficient compared to the lift coefficient, and this is a good way of measuring the aerodynamic efficiency of a wing or any object really. And the way that you do this is you look at how um, steep the slope is. The steeper the slope is, the more aerodynamic the um, object is in terms of lift production. And again, we see a familiar sort of pattern here where if there's no ice, this has the best efficiency. Whether it's completely iced over on the leading edge, then that's the worst efficiency. And then the other two ice um, characteristics, other two ice geometries fall between these two uh, states here. And depending on how much, the more ice there is, the less efficient the, air, the um, wing is at lungs of attack, which makes sense. So that those are general static uh, situations. Let's look at the um, dynamic characteristics. The reason why dynamic characteristics are important is because um, an aircraft is not always static. If you have perturbations, um, they're dynamic and the aircraft will respond and you want it to be uh, stable. So let's look at the analysis of dynamic stability characteristics. So under the disturbance of a changing attack of 1.5 degrees, so let's say let's say there's a, a gust or the pilot accidentally knocks something or whatever. There's a 1.5 degree change in angle attack. The flight state parameters have a dynamic oscillation process. Under the full state, the full ice state, the angle attack under this perturbation increases sharply. It goes up to 9.5 degrees initially, which is close to the stall angle attack under full ice state. So what this means is, given the entire leading edge iced over, 
okay, you're gonna get bad lift and drag productions. But this is even worse because now, if you have a perturbation of only 1.5 degrees, which is not a lot, that's gonna push the wing to a 9.5 degree angle attack, which is now reaching the angle, the stall angle for this state, this full ice state, which means you could potentially lose entire, the entire lift over the wing or much of it and um, start to become unstable. That's bad. So we can say here that the full ice state is very bad. However, compared with the full ice state, the peak values of the initial angle attack when you have the A and B ice shapes are reduced by 31.2% and 11.2% respectively. So in other words, you get the same perturbation of 1.5 degrees. And if you have ice state A, okay, the angle attack will still increase, but it only increase up to about six uh, degrees instead of 9.5 degrees, what's more, that's well shy of the angle attack required for stall for this character, for this um, eye shape. For eye shape B, the angle attack will increase to about nine degrees or 8.5 degrees, which again is not great, but it's not nearly um, close enough to the stall angle attack for this configuration to be um, an issue in that sense. The angle attacks then converge back to steady state faster, which is important. So. You not only want to avoid um, the aircraft becoming completely unstable, you also want it to get back to the steady state of that it was to initially begin with faster. So under full ice state, the pitching angular rate Q, which is how quickly this thing is going to rotate back, converges back to steady state at 10 seconds. Under ice shapes of A and B, the pitching angular rate Q converges back to the steady state at five seconds and eight seconds, which, which is a reduction of 50% and 20% compared to the full ice states. So they don't go through the um, no ice um, on the leading edge. However, we can sort of probably assume that that's going to be the best situation. So it's going to be the most stable, but still having uh, these plasma generators de-icing some of the leading edge, we can dramatically increase the dynamic stability of the aircraft, which is good as well. So this shows that de-icing to some extent is very beneficial, even a little bit. So in conclusion, by, by ice shape regulation, the lift and pitching moment coefficients increase and the drag coefficient decreases compared to the full ice state. So it's very beneficial, but compared to the um, no ice state, it's not that good. Especially under the maximum lift coefficient configuration, the de-icing increases the um, stall angle attack by four degrees compared to the um, completely iced over leading edge. And that's very good. Dynamic characteristics of the aircraft were improved. Now, looking at the dynamic stability of the aircraft, a disturbance of 1.5 degrees was investigated, and under the full state, uh, full ice state. The angle attack increased sharply and the initial response peak was 9.5 degrees, which is very close to the stall angle attack anyway, which is really bad news. However, when you have um, de-icing to some extent, the maximum angle attack that it will um, pitch to with this perturbation of 1.5 degrees initially uh, decreases by 31.2% and 11% for the A and B ice shapes. So much better. So overall, we can include that de-icing, especially by plasmatic plasma generators is quite beneficial for safety of the aircraft, not only performance, but safety as well. So that's in this podcast. Make sure to let me know what you think about it. Put your comments in the uh, section below and make sure to like, subscribe, and also check out our other podcasts. And if you want to make your experiments two to 4% more accurate and you want to make your CFD validation that accurate as well, 
then check out that Mr. Hawk. This is what we can make to make your experiments and CFD more accurate. Link in the description. And if you want to get better at CFD and theory, like this, what we're doing here, then check out our courses. We also do them um, on our website. Link in the description. And see you next podcast. Peace out, amigos.